Ronald Reagan was a man of, of great humor. And in fact, there's a whole book called The Wit and Wisdom of Ronald Reagan. And he was before a group one time and he, he spoke and he, he was talking about how there was an evangelical pastor and a politician who arrived at St. Peter's Gate same time. So after checking the book of life and all that, they, he let him in and St. Peter was showing him around. He says, well, here, let me take you to where you're going to where are you going to be? And so they went with the pastor and, and St. Peter says, well, here, here you go. This is where you are. And it was a, a nice small room with a bed and, and a dresser, just real simple surroundings. And, you know, it's like, okay, thank you. And so they go on and they're going to show the politician where, where he's going. And he gets over there and there's this big palace and, and there's, there's like servants and there's all this stuff. And, and, and the, the politician was confused. He was like, uh, surely you've, you've made a mistake. He says, you, you have this man of God and he's got this little room over here. And I have this politician. I got this big house. And, and uh, St. Peter said, well, you know, I know you, you're new here, and, but let me tell you how things work around. He says, you know, we've got thousands of evangelical pastors but but you're the first politician that's ever made it so <laughs> anyway so as we looked at last week obviously we're in this christian time of year or this time of the christian calendar we call advent which means uh coming or arrival and and during this time, as I mentioned again last week, we remember and reflect on Jesus' first coming and what it means for us now. But we also look forward to his second coming. He will come again. It was his promise that he will come again. And we look forward in full assurance and hope of it happening. Jesus told us in John 14, he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. Get that. I will come again. And receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Encouraging words. And last week I encouraged everyone to, to meditate and to think about the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, for you, for me. And hopefully when we meditated upon it, we come to realize really the truly momentous sacrifice that Jesus did and made for us. Motivated solely by his love for you and for me. We look back and remember, but we also can look at the present and reflect. Reflect on what Jesus' coming means for us today, right now. 
And we talked about peace last week. That true inner peace that we can have through a sincere personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Not the standard lip services saying you're a Christian, but living your life for him, not for yourselves. A true surrendering of our lives to Jesus Christ. Jesus said, peace I leave you, leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now that's twice he said, let not your heart be troubled. So we can have that peace in our hearts and in our minds. And because we have that peace, we can have hope. The hope that a life in Christ can bring. Listen to what Paul tells us in Romans. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Jesus has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. It's a powerful, powerful verse. And really that scripture sums up Advent and the blessings of following Jesus pretty well. Let's kind of break it down for a few minutes. It says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we've received Jesus, hopefully. We've made him Lord of our life. Hopefully, we ha I'm adding the hopefully part. We have surrendered our life to him and his word, the Bible. Paul goes on to say, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. You know, ever since, and we talked about this last night as the true story of Christmas, ever since the Garden of Eden, Mankind has been at odds with God. But because of what Jesus did, we don't have to be. We can be at peace with God. And by extension, that means peace with ourselves. Paul goes on, he says, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. Think about that, undeserved where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Undeserved privilege, Christian privilege. You know, we have all this talk about all this privilege. Well, I'm going to hold on to Christian privilege because it's only through Christ that we get this. We didn't earn it. We can't work for it. We can't buy it. 
It's only through Christ. We didn't certainly, it says right here, we didn't deserve it. But we have it through Christ. When we receive Christ, when we make him Lord of our life, we have this Christian privilege. Paul goes on, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Who here has ever run into a problem or a trial? For we know that they help us develop endurance. You know, this is where I always think of Fiddler on the Roof and Tevia the Milkman. And he's going, he's always talking to God. And he's sitting there and his horse has gone lame and he's pulling his, his, his uh, wagon with the horse behind it. And he goes, Lord, I know we Jews are your chosen people, but sometimes can you just choose someone else? You know, so. But they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope in, of salvation. And this hope, listen to this. How many of us here have ever been disappointed? But this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. The true hope rooted and fulfilled by God's love for us. So we have peace. We have hope. And through it all, because this is Joy Sunday, we can have joy. Because of the hope we have through Jesus Christ. Paul tells us that we can rejoice, have joy, even in difficult times. And when we run in to problems and trials. Now, I can't explain it. I really don't. I really can't. You know, when I share with somebody and, and they're going through a difficult time and, and sometimes it feels like so trite that you say, well, I'll pray for you, but, but just hold on to God, you know, trust in God. I can't explain how that helps, but I know it does. I know it does. And you have to do it to experience it. And you know what? We may not be happy, but we can rejoice. See, joy is really a deep-seated contentment. Happy is an emotion, more of a for the moment, you know, based on circumstances. You know what? I got a new car. I'm happy. At least till the new car smell wears off. Or, you know, young kids, you know, the teenagers. Oh, she likes me. I'm happy. Or he likes me. I'm happy. And whatever. Or, hey, he who dies with the most toys wins, right? That was really big back in the 80s. Got a lot of money. You'll be happy. You know, if I only just had the right job in the right place, I'll be happy. And then unfortunately, all too many people, especially now, look for that 
happiness through alcohol or drugs. But that happiness wears off. But joy transcends circumstances. Listen to a fellow, you may have heard of him. I don't know, you may have. A fellow by the name of Billy Graham. Anybody ever heard of that guy? Listen to what he says about the difference. He says, many people think that being happy and being joyful are the same thing. But there is a difference. We experience a sense of happiness when our circumstances are pleasant and we're relatively free from troubles. The problem, however, is that this kind of happiness is fleeting and superficial. When circumstances change, as they inevitably do, then this kind of happiness evaporates like the early morning fog in the heat of the sun. Even when our outward circumstances are seemingly ideal, we still may be troubled inside by a nagging hunger or longing for something we cannot identify. We say we are happy, but down inside, we know it's only temporary and shallow at best. Even from time to time, we may think we have found a degree of happiness, but it eventually vanishes. The kind of happiness that is lasting is an inner joy and peace, which endures in any circumstance, no matter what comes our way. It may even grow stronger in adversity. This is the kind of happiness to which Jesus summons us in his sermon of the Beatitudes. He alone has the answer to our search for lasting happiness. He who heeds the word of God wisely will find good. Happy is he, Proverbs sixteen twenty. Such happiness for which our soul souls ache is one undisturbed by success or failure, one that dwells deep within us, gives us inward contentment, even in despairing circumstances. It needs no outward stimulus. Count it all joy, the Bible says, when you fall into various trials. James 1, 2. Because happy is the person who has learned the secret of being content with whatever life brings and then to share this secret with others who need encouragement. Good words. Now in our New Testament reading today in Philippians, we're told to always be full of the joy of the Lord. In fact, so much so, Paul says it twice. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. I think he wants you to rejoice. And this scripture, if you will, gives us a roadmap on always how to have that joy. So when we start out, we look at it. It starts with, um, let your gentleness be known to all men. Be considerate. Think of others. Let your gentleness be known to all men. There's a healing, I think, and a comfort in that comes when you're considerate of others, when you're thinking of others. It takes your mind off yourself and puts it on them. 
Then he goes on to say, the Lord is at hand. You know, not only is he here now with us, that's his promise, where two or more are gathered, he is there in their midst. He's here, but you know what? He's coming soon. He's going to be coming soon. Second Corinthians 4, 17. Let me read that to you. Second Corinthians 4, 17. Got to get quicker. I never win the Bible, girls. So. 4.17 For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. For our light affliction, it's just for a minute. It's just for a moment. This doesn't last in the terms of eternity. It doesn't last a long time. And it's working for us for a more, far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And I think it helps to know that no matter what we are going through, it's only temporary. Now, Paul goes on in our scripture. He says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request, request be made known to God. Be anxious for, for nothing. Don't worry. He says, don't worry. But pray about everything. Take it to God. I hope that I, when I say this, and when you say this, when you say, you know, I'm going to pray for you about that, that you actually do. Because that's scriptural, to pray about everything. And again, when you pray, your mind is off yourself, and it turns to God, who can take care of whatever it is you're dealing with, whatever it is you're dealing with. And instead of dwelling on issues, Pray about it and turn it over to God. Remember, he is sovereign and he loves you. That's a pretty good combination for us. That's that Christian privilege. God is sovereign and he loves us. Tell God what you need. He says, let your request be made known to God. God knows, but sharing the burden is part of the process of having that joy. Now you've physically and verbally given that problem over to God. And that's kind of a, a radical thought, isn't it? It means you don't have to worry about that anymore. You've given it to God. He has it. That's why he said, don't worry about it. I got it. And then you can then thank him Thank him for what he's done. God is always working. God has done amazing things in our lives, including 
that rescue mission that he came on 2,000 years ago to redeem us from our sins. Focus on what you have through Christ, not on what you don't have. Then you'll experience that peace. And with peace comes contentment and joy. It says the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Live in Christ. We need to live in Jesus, live his way according to God's word. Unfortunately, if you're like me, there's too many times I want to go my own way. I want to do my own thing. Live according to my own purposes. Then I want to drive by my bus, that bu- my bus, and hey, God, jump on board. I'm going this way. <clears throat> God, it doesn't work that way. We got to get on God's bus and go His way, go on His route. We have that peace and the joy and the hope as we live in Christ Jesus. Then Paul gives us a couple more things, two more life tips, if you will. One, he tells us to place your thoughts on the right things. Verse eight, he says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, Meditate on these things. True, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, worthy of praise. That's what we're to think about. What is that? God's word? Jesus? You know, it's all right here, but it is amazing. It is amazing how few of God's people actually read his word. This is what we're to concentrate on. And when we think on this, then everything else kind of falls into its rightful place. You know, I have this um, sign at work in the classroom. It says, attitude is important. Pick a good one. Well, you know, we can have a good attitude if we're in God's word. And then finally, in verse nine, he tells us things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. See, it's not enough to just hear it, not enough to think about it. You got to do it. And the more you do something, the easier it is to do it, right? I remember the first time that I tried to share the gospel. I was fumbling all over myself. And what surprised me is the person I was talking to wanted to hear more. I was like, surely you're going to walk away any second now and rescue me. But no, God had other things in mind. But as you do it, as as you just share, it becomes more natural and it becomes, you know, you you want to do it. It's easier to do. 
Now, do you think by everything that we've read today, everything that we've read, do you feel like God wants you to have joy? Right? He wants you to have peace. He wants you to have that hope. That's what God's will is for us. We look so much, oh, I wonder what God's will is for my life. He wants you to be hopeful. He wants you to be joyful. He wants you to be at peace. That's his will. And really, the only thing that gets in the way of that is what? Us. Us. So, as we continue in this Advent season, this time of meditation, really, I pray that we'll all just get out of God's way. Right? Get out of his way so that God through Christ can live in us and that we can have that peace and that hope and that joy that he wants us to have. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that your will for us is peace in our hearts, joy in our lives, and hope for what you have done and for what you're going to do. And Father, we can go through Lord God, with that attitude, we can pick that right attitude if we focus on you and meditate on you. So Lord, I pray as we go through this week that you help us, Lord, to follow you, to meditate on you, to think of you in all that is good and right and lovely. And Father, and our hearts will change. And Father, regardless of where we're at, we can have that hope, peace, and joy in you. So, Father, we thank you and we praise you for all you do, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.